0: got it in this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we shoot for the takedown and sink in the hooks with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio the Brian Campbell in fact that voice that you hear just about ready to tag in the great King Mo to recap the latest news and mixed martial arts including Ronda Rousey's WWE debut rumors of Brock Lesnar's return to UFC and an update from the King himself on Bellator's World Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament, including Matt Mitrione's victory over Roy Nelson. We will also preview Saturday's UFC 222 card at length from Las Vegas, address the Conor McGregor rumors in relation to that card, and King Mo will also give his take on a must-see heavyweight boxing championship out this weekend as slugging unbeaten Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz do battle in Brooklyn. Hey, it's a loaded show for sure, and you know the King is going to bring it. In a style that is Chael Sonnen approved.
1: King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me.
0: We are all dressed up and just about ready to go. Yeah, the hair looking fine. I like
1: my hair. I like my hair. The mamacitas like my hair. The Brazilian mamacitas like my hair
0: hey and we are just about ready to bring it, but before I welcome in some MMA royalty, let me remind you once more to do your part for the ITC by sharing your thoughts on the show. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, review. It only takes one minute of your time, and be sure to sample our other In This Corner offerings this week, including a colorful boxing interview with Deontay Wilder and the always Powerful and always colorful pro wrestling edition as we embark on the road to WrestleMania 34. But with the business behind us, it's time to enter the Palace of the King. In
1: my home. This is my home right here. This is American Top Team. Don't you don't disrespect me in my home.
0: Enjoy. Oh, yeah. BC and the King himself, Muhammad the Wall, coming back at you after a week off. King Mo, we got so much to break down, so much to preview, news to react to, but we always like to start to get the update on camp as the King prepares for Ryan Bader in this Bellator World Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament. Give us some camp life update. How are we doing here?
1: Well, you know, I, I really don't do camps. I mean, you know, it's training life. It's MMA life. It's a lifestyle. Right now, yeah. It's a lifestyle right now. Um, I helped Brian Jennings with his camp, you know, was a smart partner for that. Now helping Trevor Bryan um, for his camp. He's fighting uh, um, BJ Flores soon, and I see I see um, uh, um what's he called uh, uh, the the um, cru- former cruiseweight champion uh, from England. I forgot his name. He's here in Miami. Um,
0: Which guy is this? What David 40? Hay. David Hay. Oh, the Haymaker. That guy can bring the pain.
1: Yeah, he's in Miami. So and I see him with Trevor Bryan smart So I'm not Trevor sure, Brian Brian Jennings sparring. So I'm like, you know, if he if he has anything coming up. And I can get some rounds with him. I'm definitely going to go down to Miami and try to get some rounds with, uh, David Hay.
0: I love this. I love this. Getting ready to take on Bader. Uh, King Mo, you've been watching a lot of pro wrestling lately. I mean, we got, there's a lot of pro wrestling MMA crossover there. We're going to get into the Rouseys, the Lesners, but you've been watching what's going on, what we like in NJPW, ROH, this whole Kenny Cody thing that's going to play, pay off WrestleMania weekend. I'm catching feels over this. I'm loving the storyline, what they're doing on, on being the elite.
1: Man, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Because, man, like, first Adam Cole. I love Adam Cole. They got rid of him. Then you got, you know, then you got Cody doing the thing. I love Cody. And then you got Cody and, and, uh, Kenny got having beef. Then you have Kenny partner up with, uh, Abushi. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all, and then you see DC Tomatonga saying something. And the so, Young
0: Bucks are now going to yeah. feud against Kenny, against the Golden Lovers. This is going to be good stuff.
1: I know, man. Uh, I don't know. Look, right now, New Japan, Ring of Honor, are killing the game right now. Absolutely, it's just, it's just that no one's really eyes aren't on them just yet. But eventually, if all things go right, I should be on them after WrestleMania weekend.
0: Maybe not only I should be on them. Maybe you, King Mo, should be on them. Maybe we get King Mo in the Bullet Club. What do we? Any chance here? Can you? Can you? <laughs> you have connections? Can you pull those strings?
1: Well, I don't know what which Bullet Club.
0: Yeah, you should join the Tongans. They should do like a badass <laughs> black and white NWO spinoff of the Bullet Club, right? And just be their yeah, own. Yeah,
1: yeah. the Tongans. Yeah, to me the Tongans. That we, we would break shop, but at the same time, you know, uh the Bucks. I heard Marty Skrulls going to the Villain Club. I love Marty Skrull. Yes. You can't hang. Like the Bullet Club is my favorite faction. They're- and now the- I don't know what's going to happen with them.
0: It's, it's really interesting. I like that, that for this, uh, NJPW U.S. show they're gonna do in Long Beach, California on March 25th, that we're gonna see the Bullet, you know, now with the Bucks against Kenny and Ibushi. Maybe we'll see Jericho against Naito. A lot of, you know, Rey Mysterio Ooh. Jr. is there. Lots going on outside the walls of WWE. This is good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's, it, you know what? Um, it's stuff that needs to happen. You know, um, I think with this happening, it's making the WWE step their game up. Yes. Now we need for something like this to happen in MMA, because MMA is kinda fumbling. We need something like this. Like, Bellator, we're, we're trying to Bellator. Hopefully, things keep on going because we need MMA overall to step its game up because right now, I feel like we've, we've hit a plateau. You know what I'm saying? We're kind of – if you look at it, like, the fight cards aren't like, huh? Eh, people aren't really watching. I feel like it's just too much. Um, The marketing's not as good. Like, there was a fight last weekend. Isn't there a fight this weekend? Or is there a fight this weekend? Or I know Deontay Wilder's fight Ortiz. Oh, yeah. I know that. But, you know, I don't, as far as MMA – yeah, there's a Bellator card. But they just have too many, too many, and they don't do a good enough oh, it's job. it's too spread to out.
0: Yeah, I mean, when yeah. old old comments like Bob Aram can start to ring true.
1: UFC are a bunch of skinhead white guys watching yeah people in the ring who also look like skinhead white guys.
0: Oh man, that's of course a dated <laughs> soundbite from from many years ago at Yankee Stadium when Bob Aaron but uh yeah Bob Aram hates it. Now now you can kinda crap on MMA a little bit. Boxing coming back around. Interesting times. Very interesting times in the business. Remember that rant from Bob Arum? A lot of extra words we can't print nowadays, but Yeah,
1: yeah. Bob Arum was kinda crazy. I'm I'm surprised he got a pass. But he got one because right now, like you know right, what, what 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 um the soundbite you just played Really, which shows how ignorant he is about MMA, because Ingunu don't look like a skinhead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, oh,
0: no. Neither is
1: Cain Velasquez. Neither is Habib nor Megan or or. or Tony Ferguson so what he said is is like very stereotypical and it's kind of it's pretty ignorant not kind of it's pretty damn ignorant
0: Bob's never above saying stuff like that mind you but uh, we mentioned the Bellator tournament off the top we had another first round matchup just a couple weeks ago that we previewed here on the show King Mo you were there you were cage side in Connecticut Matt Mitrione with a three-round majority decision win over Roy Nelson to advance to face the winner yes of King mo versus Ryan Bader your thoughts on Mitrione's performance you're heavily invested in this King Mo.
1: well first of all I thought that the fight should win an extra round um in the third round when uh, um when uh, the referee was going to Roy and Matt saying hey Matt protect yourself I'm gonna stop this fight you know I'm um, the near side judge gave it a 10 eight round. The other two judges from across the cage couldn't see that clear, and they just gave, they just gave Roy a 10-9. Partly that's on Roy because Roy should have maybe threw a few harder shots on top, but, uh, you know, could have, should have, would have, he didn't. But at the same time, I feel like that was a 10-8 round. It was total domination. Um, um, Matt could have got stopped. And the referee didn't stop him, but it was good enough. It was total domination. Um, I feel like Roy should have won that round 10-8 and should have won an extra round.
0: Uh, afterwards, Matt calling Roy a dirty fighter for holding onto the cage. You put any credence in that?
1: Holding onto the cage how? Um, if Roy held onto the cage and it's the referee's job to catch that, you know, if the referee didn't catch it, then it was legal.
0: Hey, that's the Bernard Hopkins way of life. If the referee's on the other side, I'm going to just keep hitting this guy below the belt and, and do well, what I
1: have to do, you know? Punch that hip until until he sees it. It's, it's, it's legal until the referee sees it. It might be legal. It's, it's fighter etiquette, but I didn't see Roy grabbing onto the cage and um, I didn't, maybe I was looking hard enough.
0: All right. Let me ask you about MMA gamesmanship, because I mentioned in boxing, we see if the, if you can get the referee on the other side of you, you can do dirty tricks and get away with it. NFL, we know linemen are constantly like poking each other in the throat and doing dirty stuff in the clinch and the trenches. What stuff in MMA can you get away with or does commonly get away with depending on your body positioning?
1: Well, um, I see a lot of guys grabbing the gloves. They'll grab the inside of the gloves or they'll grab the top part of the gloves, You see guys grab the cage a lot, but the referees catch it or see a lot of times they miss it or it just depends on who the referee is because some referees will step back and look at the big picture. Some referees look at certain like parts of the body and they'll miss the arms grabbing the cage or the hands grabbing the cage. Um, Sometimes you can get away with some low blows, but the thing is really, um, I don't go out there to fight looking to cheat. I just go out there to fight to knock you out. Now, there are guys out there that look to try to get, you know, cut every corner and and try to get the edge for the victory. But those guys that are doing that aren't going for the knockout. They're just trying to go for the decision. Because if you're going for the knockout, you're not going to look to hit somebody low or grab the cage or do little cheap things like pull the fingers back. You're not looking to do that. You're looking to swing for the fences, Throw knees and head kicks that will lay your opponent out yeah. on their back. I
0: was like, I'm not here to fool around. I come here to do two things: knock you out and take your girl on the way out. I, I like to produce nap time. When they
1: step foot in that cage, they're gonna pay the price with nap time.
0: I did re- <laughs> whoa, whoa! I did rewatch uh, randomly Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendes from 2015, and I did see a little trick where. Mendez opened a cut on Ch- on Connor's eye, of course, with that short forearm, and then he kept rubbing the gloves over it to try to make it bleed more. I don't know if I've seen that before. That was a sort of an interesting pro wrestling trick. There,
1: I've seen that before. Matt, um, Dan Henderson, and, and Matt, Lin- Matt Lindland. Anything, anything you can think of that that is dirty and cheap in MMA, Matt Lindland d- does it in practice or he used to. In practice. <laughs> Matt Lindland, when I when I say the dirtiest player in the game, Matt Lindland's one guy that. Like, I can honestly say, shout out to Matt Whitman. He's one guy that'll do whatever it takes to get you out of there. Dang. You know, step in your ankle, break your ankle, break your shoulder. I remember years ago, he was like, Mo, man, I got a new punch. I was like, what punch is that? He's like, the punch is behind the ear. There's a shot behind the ear. If you touch him there, they're going to sleep. And I was like, how would you get away with that?" He's like, well, here's a secret. Here's a secret. All you got to do is when you throw the punch, a piece of your glove just has to touch their ear and it's legal. So Matt Lindland would drill the behind the ear punch. Wow! As long as, yeah, as long as the as long as the, the glove touched the ear, it was legal.
0: Wow! I got a new punch. It's called punching in the brainstem. Well no one's ever <laughs> no one's doing it, let's get away with it. There, very interesting. Uh, you when we were laying out Bellator one ninety four, you were giving your breakdown and you were like, "Look, here's the problem." Matt Mitrione can't wrestle. Did that theory prove true for you in this fight with Roy?
1: Yeah, it, it proved true. A few things proved true. Matt Mitrione's not a true Southpaw. So his power hand's in front. You never saw anything with his left hand. Um, he has a good inside leg kick, but he just can't wrestle. And he can't wrestle to save his life. And um, I think he'll improve on it. He'll work on it, but it's still not enough time in this tournament. He needs more time to improve his wrestling. So he's in a world of trouble once I beat Bader.
0: Wow. Wow. So he survives in advance, but not to have a Matt Mitrione breakdown party here, but I'm saying he entered as the tournament favorite. This victory over Roy Nelson. I don't think was beholden of a tournament favorite. He more survived than than thrived in this one.
1: Yeah, and I, and I heard the odds have changed um, for who they think to win the tournament. Who they got I, don't know, I don't know what's changed, but I guess like Matt Mitrione is not, not the favorite.
0: Interesting. So. They were giving late replacement a better chance of winning than King Mo. So I don't know about these odds makers, King Mo. Do we know who the late replacements, by the way, could be? Have, have the potential alternates been announced, or is that still a Coker secret?
1: Mm, I'm probably sure. I'm maybe it might be Chet Congo. Maybe I, I don't know. Karatana. I have no idea. Those are, I no Those idea. are good
0: names. Those are good names. If if you had to sub somebody in last minute,
1: or, or I wouldn't be. I would be okay with the um let let Roy Nelson fight Rampage. The winner of that fight is an alternate. All right. all right, all right. That's a good fight. Quentin Quinton versus uh, Roy Nelson. That's a good fight. That's the fight you want to see. That's not bad at all. Now we
0: await, of course, the Frank Mir Fedor matchup, which is coming up in in uh what is that? That's April, correct? In Chicago.
1: April, Chicago. I
0: I like that matchup a whole hell of a lot. Very interesting. We'll have plenty to preview on that as we get closer. That same weekend, two weekends back, uh, King Mo, we saw UFC Austin. Very interesting fight here where Cowboy Cerrone snaps that three-fight losing skid that, you know, at age 34 people starting to go, is he past his prime? Is this the end? Could he get cut with four losses? We'll put those conversations aside, of course, because he gets a TKO one in the closing seconds by knocking out Yancey Medeiros. Uh, Good victory for him. Was a matchup that you know, looked flashier than it was, meaning Madero's coming off a fight of the year type bout against, uh, Cowboy Oliveira last year isn't actually on Cerrone's level from a, you know, technique standpoint. Cerrone was able to expose that, was able to put all the, hey, he should walk away stories behind him. He was also able to enter some history, King Mo, and this is where this discussion gets interesting. You're not a big history legacy guy, but Cowboy Cerrone tied the UFC record for most wins and most finishes. Which means he's almost become the new bridesmaid in UFC history, which was Bisping for a while, the greatest fighter to never win a title. You buy any of this that Cerrone now with this type of these amounts of victories now twenty co- career victories in UFC is compiling himself to maybe be the best fighter to never win gold?
1: Uh, maybe the thing is we don't know because, man, like it's still early in MMA. You know what I'm saying? The consistent of MMA. So like. What if Jeremy Stevens never wins the belt? What if Gustafsson? Gustafson never wins the belt. Uh, Gustafsson a good Gustafson name, was, yeah. yeah, he has, Gustafsson has, he has like years left in his career. You know what I'm saying? So he could, he could who knows? He could break that record. We just we still know. You know, you got guys like Hani Yaga is a good fighter. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, Uriah Faber did carry the belt. Uh, I'm trying to think of names out there. You know, Luke Rockhall, carry the belt. So, yeah, yeah. You could obviously well, say it's favorite Well, it could
0: be right Faber. Now. Faber only had that WEC belt, and he could yeah. never get over the hump in UFC.
1: True, true Faber. Yeah, but um, the thing is, like, I just don't, you just never know. It's, it comes down to what you prefer, and it comes down to what happens over the next four or five years. Because don't forget, MMA is a young sport. It's fa- It moves fast because there's so much, so many fights that happen. It moves fast. So, right now, we we're talking about Cerrone. In three months, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll – we, we might be talking about, hey man, maybe Swerve when he slip away, or man Swerve is a title shot. You just never know what's gonna That's happen true. because anything can happen. Injuries, matchups, you never know what's gonna happen. He's
0: carving out an interesting legacy though. Like we, he was already so lovable, the cowboy hat, the Budweiser. He'll fight anybody on no weeks' notice. He'll fight five times a year, every year. But when you add up this many wins and victories and finishes, it it sort of begins to elevate you to a new level. And it's not like he was never in that conversation of title contender, right? He's gotten to that dance before and lost, but he's always sort of been that that bridesmaid, that warning track power. It's odd now. It just feels like we got here quickly that we're starting to talk about his legacy. Do you think that he showed you in that fight with Medeiros that there still could be another run in him? That That maybe sometimes he does not focus enough on the fight at hand and is more about trying to get four fights, four or five fights in in one calendar a year. That when he does hunker down and bring it, he can still do it.
1: Well, it depends on the matchup. I feel like with Yancey, he didn't look that sharp with Yancey until he warmed up. He looked kind of flat at first. Even when he walked in the cage, he looked flat. But then the fight picked up, he started turning it up and started landing shots. Um, I think more than anything, it's, it's coming out of the, his team, him being healthy, and his mindset. You know, if, if, if he has the right mindset, he can keep on. Keep on, um, winning and, uh, moving forward. But if he's worried about just like getting fights and not, I'll get fights, you know, I understand that get fights stay busy, but, you know, I feel like you, you have to have an idea of who you're going to fight sometimes. With him, he's like, who? Whatever, don't care. I just think he's generally trained and goes out there and fights. You know, um, he's a tough guy. He's an entertaining fighter. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, his legacy, I don't know, we'll see. It's going to come down to, I think right now, his legacy is sharp, but, like for instance, like Jens Pulver. Jens Pulver had a great legacy until he came back to WC. Some guy, and after after he started losing, people forgot about him. But Jens That's Pulver point. could fight. He had, you he, know, it's come down to what he does towards the tail end of his career. Because you have guys like, look, for instance, Roy Jones Jr. People remember the Roy Jones Jr. of now, Bernard Hopkins of now. But if they thought about them in the, few, in, the in the past, it's like Cerrone. If Cerrone can can go out and keep on winning, and then step the step step away, he'll be good. If he goes out there and starts losing some more, people gonna people gonna look at look at him in the light of uh, James Tony and Roy Jones, great fighters, but they just remember the now. I you don't guess, remember the past.
0: I always respected Cerrone's like openness. And he's—he's he's not a great interview. He's actually a really bad interview in terms of there's not much coming out of him. But he's always honest. He's like, I don't fight for titles. I don't fight for glory. I fight for money. I want to fight four or five times a year so I can afford these boats and this wild party lifestyle and just live my life. I guess that's refreshing. There's a little, there's a little King Mo money weight in there, right? He's just like, look, there's yeah, a business. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm playing the game.
1: And Cerrone's smart because it is a business. A lot of fighters get caught up in the whole. The whole legacy. The thing is, legacy is not up to you. You know, the legacy is up to us on what we do, but it's up to the the fans and the future on how we're remembered. Because I could be like, "Hey, remember me as a good father. Remember me as a, a fast runner. Remember me as a high jumper." I can say that till I die, but then the next generation be like, "Man, Mo was slow as hell. <laughs> you no, know, oh, his left hand had no power." And 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 that's how it can be remembered. You should, we never know. We never know.
0: Very, very fair. I'd like to see uh, Cerrone though, if he's if this is his mindset, enter what I always call the Rich Franklin phase. Be that celebrity on, on call in the bullpen when we need to f- save a card at the last minute and put two big names against each other, right? But he already he's, he's already been doing that. And I guess he already is that guy, right? Well, I mean, then don't take like Jorge Masvidal on one month notice. You know, don't do fights like that where you're going to end up getting stopped.
1: Yeah, but see, that's that Cerrone. You know, and the thing about Cerrone, he's like that's like you know it's hard to turn on fight. If I had a chance to take fights like Cerrone, I would do it. You know, I, just, I check, took Chuck Congo on short notice, pretty much. Didn't really, I, like a month at that, three weeks. But the thing is, like, if you're a fighter, you don't care about what's in front of you. You care about fighting and getting that check. And that's one thing I uh, respect about Cerrone.
0: Did, uh, you, you defeated a Czech Congo, of course, in that fight. That was February 2015. You took a split decision. I remember entering that fight. Not that we have scheduled here to go down Kingbo memory lane, but I thought he was maybe going to put them hands on you because he was a, a, a fearful striker at that point. Did, did he, did he land anything clean? Did, or did you just control him on the ground for the most part?
1: I just controlled him. Like, it wasn't even a split decision. It was blatant after I won. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, um, he, him a good jab, but, he changed things up, but why would I see him change his stance? I started circling and moving the lateral motion to to catch him in, to draw him in, so I could counter punch him and take him down. But you gotta you gotta fight smart. And Cerrone, like I think that Cerrone might be remembered as being the being the ultimate tough guy, the the guy that will fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. I think that they might have a Cerrone Award for someone like that eventually in the future. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But we we never know. But at the same time, before Cerrone, there were guys like Sakuraba, Royce Gracie. The MMA, but until it got regulated, was all about, you no, know, like, you know, just go out there and fight. Size, you know, um, size don't matter. Time limit don't matter. Rules don't matter. Now it's changed. So you, you don't see the, the throwback fires of the, of the past now, you know, because the, the weight changes and the um, weight classes. But, you know, Cerrone is one of those guys, modern day. Throwback fighter,
0: modern day warrior. Have you ever had a fight, King Mo? By the way, where you underestimated a guy's power, then he hit you with something early, and you're like, "Wow, I might have to change the game plan." I didn't think this was coming.
1: Nah, because I know there's some guys out there that just, you look at him, you're like, "This guy looks weak." Look at him, but then you see him punch, you're like, "Oh, he can crack." Yeah. So you you never know what type of power people possess. I'll never so I, forget I was, Rashad
0: was, telling me when he in that Machida loss for the title that Machida was just sort of slapping him and he was talking trash. was talking trash in the fight saying, Wow, you hit like a bee, you hit like a bee, and then Machida came through with that boom. So there was a little bit of a setup there, a little bit of a paw and touch, almost what Connor yep. does sometimes. Very yeah, interesting. Kingbow, we saw an UFC Orlando card this Sunday on Fox. Now, UFC, by the way, not delivering lately with these big Fox cards, these national TV cards in terms of on paper, but I thought this card ended up over delivering in terms of its excitement. Pretty good card on Sunday night, and it ended with controversy as featherweight Jeremy Stevens, who's really reinvented himself from like, you know, one hitter quitter, all or nothing slugger to a guy we are talking about as a title shot, but that title shot may not come if this controversy with Josh Emmett continues. Stevens gets the second round knockout, but of course we saw a, an elite, what looks like an illegal knee on the, on route to get there. Both sides talking back and forth. You're a fighter. Was that knee legit for you?
1: The knee landed, but not enough to like really do anything. It was a shots, the shot, the follow up shot. I think it got, got hit behind the head, if I remember. I think I hit behind it. That's the shot that did the most damage. The knee, the knee didn't do nothing because the thing, if you notice, after the knee was thrown, Emmett was still moving. He was still, he was still alive. It's the follow-up shots that got him. You know, um, I, I feel like Stevens, Stevens reinvented himself to the fullest. You know, um, one hit a quitter to a guy that can wrestle, a guy that's well-rounded, but he still relies on his power. You know, he has good timing. He'll show you some stuff here and there, like the the counter, the fly, the counter knee. I was there when he did when he landed that. He has a big uppercut. He has a big right. He has power, man. He can wrestle. He can do it all. Um, you know, he truly reinvented himself. You know, um, if you go out there thinking you're gonna fight the guy, the, the young guy that first the UFC first signed, um, it's not gonna happen. You're fighting a guy that's a vet that understands what he needs to do to get the victory done. You know, get the job done and get that W. Um, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with this. Um, I feel like they should let this fight, let them give him give him the win. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. The knee. If the, if that's the case, it wouldn't. The knee. The follow up shots, maybe. But that's on the referee. The referee missed that.
0: I mean, this is such a great area because I think you're actually right. Like technically, it was an illegal strike, but it happened in the flow, and it didn't look like it landed that hard. But we have an overall rules problem, especially in UFC, that by state to state, the different commissions. Are, some are respecting certain rules. And, other, and It feels like it's Russian roulette every week. You don't know if, if what's going on. Sometimes you don't even know if the fighters know what's going on. This particular time in Orlando, Florida, replay wasn't allowed. Replay probably could have fixed this situation, maybe for the worse, but it probably could have fixed it. How do we fix this overall rules issue, just get a centralized rule book that every state should use for MMA? Is it that easy?
1: They should have a, a, a straight-up certified unified rules. Have it unified. They, uh, this should be a, a governing body. They say the ABC, but they should have something else, something above that. Like for just combat, a combat sports, a combat sports governing body that says, "Hey, here are the rules for boxing. Here are the rules for jujitsu. Here are the rules for kickboxing, and here are the rules for MMA." And just, and when they when they look to modify that, they should modify it and then spread it out nationwide. That they should do something like that. Have the, the ABC should be for just for like the the officials, but the 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 rules should be somebody else, somebody else different.
0: We talk on here, you and I, you know, jokingly that MMA is starting to look a lot like boxing.
1: Boxing is starting to look like a lot
0: like MMA and MMA's shouldn't, go down this road of having these controversial finishes where you know like that was part of what constantly stains boxing with the bad decisions and and it's just you just don't need this kind of controversy like let's figure this out let's figure out weight cutting let's figure out whether instant replay is or isn't going to be used it's going to be used every time let's get to the bottom of all these things so that there's no longer these stigmas about the sport let the sport go in the direction it should go with the best fighting the best and all that and stop these constant pitfalls
1: but see it's gonna turn it's gonna end up like boxing you know why First of all, people worry about the weight cuts. They want to add more weight classes, which is cool, whatever. But the moment money's involved, like think about this: when boxing first started, they probably like if you think about it, they probably didn't have many weight classes. But then the more people start boxing and the bigger it got, and the more money came in, they're like, hey, you know what? Let's add more weight classes because we can get more money. So you're gonna see the same thing in MMA. You're you're already starting to see it. Think about it. You see women; they had the women's weight classes. Men, they added 125, 135. They're gonna add. I heard Connor. Someone said. Someone sent me a uh, text message saying Connor wanted to fight Frankie Edgar at one sixty five. Oh yeah,
0: we're gonna get into that. That's a very yeah, interesting so, discussion.
1: Now, now my thing is like, if, no, no, we'll say that when you when you fall into that, we'll say that because I I got a different opinion on that. All though. right,
0: just to close on Stevens, give him credit. Like we said, he debuted in the UFC in two thousand seven, which now feels like uh, you know the older yeah. days when he when he fought Dean Thomas back in the day, and now he has evolved himself. Are you believing in him as a legit threat for Max Holloway's featherweight belt?
1: Yeah, uh, you know what? If he keeps on performing the way he's performing, yeah, he's dangerous. He's dangerous because he's unpredictable. He can be hot and cold, but really, more than anything, he's more hot. He's dangerous. Um, yeah, and just one punch, he's the eagle. He can wrestle. He's strong, solid. Yeah, I, th- I, I really think that um, he's a problem. He'll, he'll be a problem for anybody. He's confident, too. Any confident, dangerous fighter— It it, it is a problem. You know what I'm saying? That's something you have to look out for. And I'm pretty sure Max Holloway is watching. Like, okay, you know, I see him doing things. Let me see what weakness he has because if we fight, I want to be ready.
0: Uh, so, just to recap, uh, the King Mo's equation. Confidence equals a problem, so do hands plus wrestling equals a problem. Yeah. Just remember that right there. Uh, I it's wasn't what, a believer- it has
1: all three. Steven has all three. He does. And
0: I wasn't a believer until that doo who Choi fight, and he, I mean, which was what, a couple of months ago, I mean, he just came in there and wiped that dude out, and we know Choi, he brings it. The other fight of note for me, was I love that women's strawweight division, and I love the Jessica Andrade-Tisha Torres fight on paper. And it sort of played out like I thought it would, except I thought Andrade was going to get a stoppage. But shout-out to Tisha, Tisha Torres for always pushing that pace, for being in Andrade's face, landing a lot of clean shots. But my theory on this fight, King Mo, was I didn't think Tisha ended up having the power to stop Andrade, who can just walk through anything, like she did against Ioana for five rounds. It played out this way. Book it. I want to see Andrade back in a title shot. She is 100% improving back where she needs to be. She's ready for a second shot.
1: Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I thought Tisha Torres fought a great fight. Now, the only problem with Tisha Torres is I feel like she didn't hold her ground enough. She's moving, giving ground too much. And when you're giving ground, unless you have special power like Jerry McClellan or somebody else, like Sugar Ray Robinson, they they can fight going backwards and knock you out. You know, um you can't, you know, against someone like a machine like Jessica, you can't do that. You know, you have to hold your ground more, fight in the center, pivot, fight in the pivot. And, uh, um, you started to see, um, Jessica start backing up, um, Tisha and then start getting the takedowns. First round, I, I, felt like maybe Tisha might Ma got the first round. You know what I'm saying? She, she, she's doing her thing. But then as a the fight picked up, I saw a takedown start piling up and I saw the pace start to change in, 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 um, Jessica's favor. You know what she, I mean? She, has to t- she took. She took. took over the pace. She took over the pace, and then just and then fought. Fought herself pretty much, in a sense.
0: Uh, Tisha Torres kind of reminds me of Juan Baby Bull Diaz, the 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 former you know lightweight boxing champion, in the sense that he didn't have a lot of power, and that was ultimately his downfall. Yet he fought a crazy aggressive in your face powerful style of, of punches and bunches and just all out bringing it. Tisha fights like that but doesn't have the boom to finish fights. And that's what seems to hold her back from truly getting to the title level.
1: But Tisha's more like a poly balanaji to me. Because if you look at you could look at um, Juan when Juan used to fight Juan would come forward. Boom, 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 boom. In your chest. Tisha's not forward in your chest. Tisha's more like finesse like like um she's like BJ BJ Saunders in a sense. Like on on the bike one two one 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 two, you know she might throw a hook right hand move one one two hook move pivot. But she moves, so the thing is that she'll get her shots off and she'll move. Well, the thing is, when you get your shots off and you move, you, those those shots aren't hard shots. Those are hard. Those shots are pitter patter. They're clean. They score, but they're not doing no damage. So Jessica can eat those all day. She's eating those like Tic Tacs. She came forward <laughs> and she throw a big shot. Wop wop. She then she get tap pop 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 shake it off. Come forward. Wop whop, whop Take down. Boom. And and that's how the fight went. Tisha, if, if anything, Tisha should work on more strength training. I feel like you know, working on sit down on her shots because she was sat down on those fast shots. She could have done something, but she never sits down on any of her shots. She stand, She she, she she sits high in the stance, even though she's short, and she just throws pitter patter and then moves. That's that. That's not enough to, to beat Jessica. You have to make Jessica respect your shots and respect your power. Like you know, that. and uh, Tisha never did that.
0: I like that technical breakdown. Now, Andraj, look, she fought Claudia Cadelha coming off of that loss to Ioana and was a very impressive decision Oop. and a fun fight. Now she Oop. defeats a very tough contender in Tisha. It looks like she's now waiting in the bullpen to fight the winner of Ioana against Rose Nama Yunus Part 2, which, of course, will be April 7th in Brooklyn at UFC 223. So, King Mo, if you are in the corner of Jessica Andraj, you know she's got power. You know she's relentless. You know she's got a heck of a chin, and you know she uses her size very well at this weight class. After moving down from bantamweight, what do you do differently? What's the new game plan to 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 win a belt? Whether you're fighting Ioana or Rose, when she does get that chance.
1: Uh, well, really, I think she should invest in the body work. She should invest in the body shots because she she we all know she has power. But she don't go to the body enough. I feel like she has great takedowns, but she was the body versus versus these women. She'd stop them straight up. Put the, the, some water the body, in the basement, yeah. as,
0: as, as Teddy Atlas would say, right? Put some water yeah. in that basement.
1: Yeah. yeah, put water in that basement. You know, put some money in the bank. You know what I'm saying? Bank them. You know, you have, you have to touch that body to slow, to to because to, to, if she's touched the body, all the girls that are backing up, all the women that are backing up and try to stay away, they they won't, they won't be able to back up as much. Her takedowns will come easier. When you touch the body, it's weak as the core. So you can't defend shots. You can't throw with power. It's hard to kick. It's hard to breathe. So she does that, She can get that belt. But really, if I were the UFC, I'd be like, you know what? Let's wait on Jessica Andrade. Let's have her go to 125, and let's have her fight Valentina.
0: Well, that might be the perfect division. You make a great point, and then you can add some names. Look, Strawweight has plenty of names. It's a very – Pardon the, the word. It's a very sexy division. There's a lot of names right there. Yeah. You're right. The UFC not doing a good job of filling out 125 or 145. Maybe Shevchenko, maybe Andrade are the faces of that. Very-
1: yeah. And even Joanna, I feel like with the, with that weight class, 125, you can have a lot of good fights from all three weight classes. You know, just, just, let's be real. Andrade, if she really wanted to, she could fight 125. Maybe 135 if she decided to lift weights again because she started at 135, but really 115, 125, perfect. Maybe 135, depending on who the opponent is. But same thing with Joanna. Uh, um, uh, same thing with Valentina. That weight class at 125, you can see matches with them fighting 115-pounders, and you can see matches, matches with them fighting 135-pounders. Perfect.
0: King Mo, we head to the recap of the recent news cycle, and there was no bigger story than Conor McGregor breaking his silence, making headlines, of course, on Instagram. Last week when he said, look, I I, I will fight again, putting to rest any rumor of people that thought he was going to sit on that money longer. We don't know when and if, but the little wrinkle in his Instagram post got interesting when he said he offered to save this Saturday's UFC 222 card by being willing to fight Frankie Edgar at last, at last minute notice. So that blew up, you have... Frankie's manager, uh Ali, is it? Ali, yeah, Ali. Ali coming out and ripping him, calling basically calling Conor MMA's prostitute, saying you're lying, blah blah blah. The story that trickled out afterwards was that Conor's offer to the UFC wasn't just Alpha Edgar last minute. But, hey, UFC, how about you create a 165-pound title and we could fight for that, which is crazy when you consider, of course, that stat that's always going to linger. Connor's won two belts in the UFC, hasn't defended either one. So can you sort out the BS? Because Dana White hasn't commented on this. UFC's been quiet. Do you believe Connor made the offer? And do you, and if so, do you believe it just died on the table because Dana White was like, look, we're not going to bring you in on one week notice when we've been waiting a year and a half for you to come back and save our pay-per-view sales?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think I think if you're talking to me, asking me, I think that, yeah, I think that Conor offered that. I think, yeah, the UFC might cons- probably considered it. You know what I'm saying? I, I really think they might consider it because the fact that they're quiet about this and not and they ain't said nothing says something. They might consider it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like – I think they might consider it. Who knows? You know, like they, they might have actually spoke. They might have spoke spoke to Conor about it, and then like you know been like, you know what? Nah, we can't do 165 because Frankie is this, you know, weighs this much. So who knows? You know, like the UFC will will will, will entertain certain things that can bring money to them. And right now, if you look at the pay per view buys, I'm pretty sure Australia, I'm pretty sure Australia might do like 150,000 buys. Um, when just when when um when uh you, you want um. When uh, Amanda fought, um, what's the name, uh, Valentina? How many buys that? That was dude?
0: like a record low for a modern day paper So <laughs> all, what
1: I'm trying to say is that if Conor coming on short notice, think about the hype behind that. Connor's coming back after fighting Floyd, you know, uh, at a new weight class, 165 champ versus champ. <laughs> the first
0: and, three uh, division champion. Let's just keep creating uh, belts for uh,
1: him. Yeah, the first, the first 165 pounds, 165 title, title fight of all time. We're breaking history. Champ versus champ. Tune in. And then and people will buy it, and it'll be a, it'll be you know it'll, it'll be a it'll probably be a good fight. But then people will buy it, and you know then all of a sudden you will hear like is Frankie Egger the best fighter of all time? He beat Connor or man, Connor just beat Frankie, and Connor ain't fought in a year. Oh yeah. man, well, he's look, the this the is really so,
0: smart. Anyone that doesn't believe this happened, I, I think it's crazy because we know Connor a has a history of being willing to fight anyone on last minute notes. So that's part of it. B, you have to think this is a smart offer from him because he wouldn't have to go through the BS of a full camp and do all the media that comes with that. And C, Edgar is, in my mind, who's still a featherweight, an easier opponent than either Tony or Habib because both of them are coming for that soul. And I think in Connor's mind, he can handle Frankie's wrestling, he can handle his boxing. Why wouldn't he want to do that? And it's not like they're going to fight at featherweight. If they were going to do that fight, at the very least, it would probably be at lightweight, right? But knowing that Connor doesn't seem like he's exactly on weight and he's offering 165, he probably would have wanted it there. Frankie would have taken the fight at 200. We know Frankie's style. He said on the MMA Hour this week he didn't believe it's true, but of course he would have fought Connor. So I think this 100% happened, and I think UFC was just like, no, we got to be smart. About this we got to build you. We got to we got to do what's right, what we think is right and try to get you to fight the winner of that of that you know lightweight title fight. Even though King Mo, they still haven't stripped him. I know Dana White's finally talking about it publicly. Like this is such a mess. Like Conor's got him by the by the by the bag. He does, and he and there's nothing else. they Yeah, two hands with two hands. You're right. There's nothing else they can do about it. But look, I don't want a, a 165 division. I know it's a better. Landing for guys like, let's say Cerrone, who's a perfect example. He floats between lightweight and welterweight. You know, needs a home where he doesn't have to cut it weight as hard. But come on, then we're gonna have it's gonna be boxing. King Mo, it's gonna be boxing. We don't need seventeen weight classes like we have in boxing.
1: Well, the thing, well, here's the thing though. Like, um, it's good and bad. Don't forget the reason why the reason why I'm okay with the more weight classes is you can see more mythical matchups. You think about it, mythical, even though it's not really that mythical. It's mythical, mythical, because it's like that's like seeing Errol Spence fight um, Charlo at 147 versus 154. True. But the thing is, like, we're, in reality, those weights weights aren't too far off. They're kind of the kind of close to right there. You know, um, here is the same thing. You can see something like that happen in MMA. Look at look at the women's division: 115, 125, 135, 145. Those are 10 pounds apart. They can do the same thing for, with men. And then mark uh, my words. They will do the same thing with men eventually,
0: because the same thing happened to boxing. It's greed, it's money, and when every televised fight is a title fight, in terms of the the fights on the marquee, it makes everything feel more important. That's why we're calling the Tony Habib fight for the real title, even though the real title is still around Connor's waist. That's the old boxing trip. Make every you cannot watch a boxing match, and you know this, King Mo. You can turn on ESPN's Friday night crap card that nobody cares about there's still some nabf regional title at stake but the announcers don't tell you hey by the way folks at home this is not a real belt so don't worry about it no they put the graphic on the screen that says and that you know like it's it's that's where we're headed stop it stop the madness right like as teddy atlas would say stop that crap stop it stop it we can't though we're too far down that road
1: no it's not gonna stop uh, the thing is you think about this who perched the ufc an entertainment company, right? So the best thing for them to do is put on more fights, get their money back, add more weight classes, involve more people. You do that, you get more money.
0: All right, what's going to happen, though, this fall? Dana says he thinks Conor wants to come back September. Is Conor going to do what he should do as champion and fight the winner of Tony Habib, or is he going to use that leverage and fight Nate or GFP or, I don't know, Nick, Diaz, whoever he wants? What's going to happen? Gun to your head.
1: Well... I think he'll fight a person like Nick or, Nate, Nick or Nate Diaz, maybe GSP. Because here's the thing, right? He can't fight. He can fight Habib or Ferguson, but but he can still fight. He can fight the, for the 145 pound belt because reality, say, supposedly he's been stripped, but has he been stripped? No. Exactly. Everyone says, but he so he can fight Max. He can fight Max. He can be he has his pick. Max Holloway. He has Habib. He has Ferguson. He has GSP. He has the Diaz brothers. He has Woodley, so he can pick and choose because the UFC is gonna let him pick and choose. So when it comes down to it, they messed up. They gave him too much power, and the, and they were greedy, and they they realized like now they realize like, hey, we might have messed up. The Petitos, I think the Petitos were smart, and they were like, you know what? Let's sell this. Too much of a headache. We ain't gonna deal with the the commissions. We're we're not gonna deal with Conor and all these fighters trying to. Trying to um to uprise and overthrow us. Yeah, because so, that it,
0: union's coming one of these days. The the fighters' union eventually will show up, and it'll be a big moment in in the history of the sport. Fertitta's got out before any of that.
1: I mean, they're smart, you know. And, and the thing is, like I'm pretty. If you could, if you look at Dana, for some reason I don't really pay much attention. But you could tell from the way he talks and his body language that I think he's on his way out he's too. Out. He's to go the boxing. Like, he's gonna go to boxing because, like I said, I think Al Heyman is gonna give him some of the boxers, and they're gonna do the super boxing thing.
0: There it is. There it is. King Mo' Ronda Rousey made her official WWE debut. Of course, she showed up at the Royal Rumble, just pointed to the WrestleMania side, but at this Sunday's Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, she had the contract signing, which ended with her slamming Triple H through a table and then getting slapped by Stephanie McMahon. Now, storyline-wise, this is obviously setting the table toward a celebrity-type mixed tag team match at WrestleMania, April 8th in New Orleans. Rousey and Kurt Angle on one side, Triple H, and Stephanie on the other. So when we know that's the case, King, I don't hold her to the standard, even though she's got a full-time contract, I'm not holding her to the standard of if she was entering a feud with Charlotte Flair or Asuka, where we would be like, okay, right now she's got to prove that she's on the level. I'm treating her more like she's Floyd Mayweather against Big Show or Lawrence Taylor against Bam Bam Bigelow. And on those comparisons, on somebody who is right new to the business, I don't mind what she's done so far. She's not great on the mic. We know that. I think she's okay so far. Are you unimpressed, impressed with what you've seen up to this point from Ronda? What?
1: The thing is, it's not up to Ronda. It's not Ronda. You know what I'm saying? Ronda's doing her thing. She's doing everything right. I feel like the WWE might have, uh, might have kind of played their hand wrong. Explain. Um, like, for instance, like, Ronda should never have been on the microphone like that. The emotional. They should have had someone like Heyman or they should – they should, if they want to be, if they're really gangster with it. They should hire Dan Lambert to be your surrogate. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Have ETT Dan Lambert in the house. Have, yeah, have Dan Lambert, and then then next thing you know, have like you know they could have like Dan Dan Lambert guys. You know, you, you know, for instance, like um Ronda Rousey is a Dan as a Lambert gal. You know what I'm saying? And she could have her, you know, Paul Heyman can have a Paul Heyman gal, and those two can have beef, and they those two could talk trash on behalf of Ronda and the other wrestler. You know, they could do something like that. And then let Rhonda work on her, her mic skills, you know, um, like at the at the indie shows or at the house all right, shows. Here's the
0: crazy thing. We wanted her with Heyman, you wanted her with Lambert. Why not bring in Dana White for this for this series for this next few months and let her be let he be her mouthpiece. Is that a too crazy of an
1: idea? because Dan White's terrible. Like first of all he says something and he offends somebody. He already offended <laughs> pro wrestlers before. You know so, <laughs> yeah, like, no like Dana like Dan Dan don't respect pro wrestling something like that. You know, so bringing someone like Dan Lambert, someone that understands the wrestling psychology, because you see how Dana is. You know, like you never know what you're gonna get. So I feel like get somebody respects pro wrestling, like Dan Dan Lambert, would be perfect for Ronda. I feel like maybe there's just d- no connection there,
0: though, in relationship, right? They, it's not yeah. like she's trained under him or anything.
1: No, it's not that she's trained under, him, but you know what? He's an MMA manager. He saw her come up in MMA, and he's in pro wrestling. And guess what? He hates MMA. I mean, he hates pro wrestling that bad that he'll he'll work with MMA fighter to take down the top female wrestlers in the WWE. That could be an angle. That would be. Yeah, I mean, man. he
0: would deliver in that, but there's just that, of
1: course, you know. Yeah. The, but the thing is that like, it's just that you know we can say whatever, but the thing is, like at the same time people didn't have no problem with the the contract signing. The the paper just said Ronda Rousey's name on it. It didn't even have any. Pay, <laughs> it's, it, a it's a gimmick, Ron, yeah, it's uh, totally a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. It's totally gimmick. Yeah, it's totally gimmick. But at the same time, the fans didn't care. We don't care. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, like, they bring Dan Lambert in, people will be like, why is he here? Next thing you know, he'll cut a few promos, then people can forget about it. And they'll be like, you know what? That's the best thing that could have happened. Well, Because Ronda Rousey's still green. She's oh, so green.
0: Oh, she needs the help. I mean, look, that's why she's in there with, look, Stephanie McMahon is the best heel they have in that company. So that's why she's in there opposite with her. Kurt Angle has delivered so far in his role. So they're protecting her. I mean, maybe they could have used Shanna Baszler as muscle or even her husband, Travis Brown, who was ringside Sunday night, along with Cain Velasquez, Daniel Corby. I mean, the UFC did show up there. But Ronda came out Monday night on Raw and ran in after Triple H and Stephanie. Now, I think she's portraying the believable toughness very well. She's portraying intensity. She's just not ready on the mic. I think, though, King Mo, she's going to prove she's ready in the ring because isn't judo the perfect sort of foundation to have in terms of being able to bump, to transition into wrestling? You know this better than everybody in terms of making that transition.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, The thing is, it's more than that because, really, it takes your partner. It takes your partner. It takes the people you're with. Because the thing is, you can have – for instance, I could do a lot of moves, throws. But the thing is, if your partner don't know those moves – or if you don't know how to to flow into that, then it'll, it'll look bad. You know what I'm saying? So more than anything, she has to just practice and wrestle. And the thing is, when you're wrestling from that crowd, time moves fast and slow because when you do moves, you have to wait for the crowd to pop and react and let them get into it. So sometimes, like when you're new like into wrestling, you want to you panic and you want to do everything fast, like go, 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 go. But Yet yeah, you need some event in there with you to tell you to calm down, let it build, go now. If you now, if you watch like you watch the Royal Rumble when John Cena was was yelling, do something now. Do something, Oh yeah, say, do Shinsuke. He
0: but, got caught. Yeah. Didn't he get caught yelling Shinsuke
1: now? Yeah, because the crowd. Because because after a while, you know, when the crowd gets restless, when the crowd like gets to the point where they start getting restless, start clapping. Then you want to do something. If they're quiet, you want to let them get it back into it. But if you wait too long, then they kind of the crowd kind of, they kind of start thinking like, "Hey, what's going on?" So I think you know it, she needs to be in there with a the vet to help her control the pace of the match and help tell the story of the match.
0: All right, we asked King Mo difficult questions here. Here's a difficult question: Will Rousey ceiling out? Well she? Let's say she does this for two years. Who knows? If she could do it more, maybe less. Let's say she does it for two years. Will her ceiling be? As good as the current top females, will she eventually get that good? Or do you think that she has the potential to be great at this? To be one of the best women that's ever done this? Where, what are your expectations for her in the long run?
1: Uh, It's gonna be, it's gonna be, I don't know, it depends on how she feels after taking bump after bump. Now, the first two years, she might not take no bumps. You know, if you think about it, because she's the ultimate badass. So, she might not take no bumps. You know, so, but the thing is, if she starts taking bumps now, like the once you start taking bumps, you start to have to work matches week after week, that's when you start to wonder, like, should I be doing this? Um Well in it's her the-
0: favor, I don't think they're gonna make her like do house shows, right? She's gonna be uh a, a No 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 celebrity. no but no but the
1: thing no but the thing is like let's be real, like honestly she should be doing house shows. That's the problem. Yeah, she should right. be doing house shows to get better, but the thing is like that's why I'm feel that's why I feel like that they're messing her up. She should be doing house shows because remember now she got signed on as a full time wrestler, not a celebrity. So she be, she should be treated like those wrestlers so she can understand what's going on in the wrestling world. You know, that's the best, that's the best way to understand. Like, that's what I did. I went to OVW and I was thrown, I was thrown in there and I had to do what the, the people paying their dues do. You know, take the cape, take the, take the ring apart, put it up, you know, shake hands, work matches, listen to matches, all that. You know, so she needs to learn, and get the feel for that.
0: All right, Kimo, there was a lot of pro wrestling, WWE, um, UFC, MMA crossover this past week. During that Elimination Chamber main event on Sunday night for WWE, in the main event match, the men's chamber match, which was to produce Brock Lesnar's opponent for WrestleMania, which ended up being Roman Reigns, in real life, Dana White randomly tweets out a picture of him and Brock Lesnar, and WWE was in Vegas that weekend, shaking hands and Brock ripped to the gourd is wearing a UFC t-shirt and it goes viral. So we know that Lesnar's contract with WWE is reportedly up right after WrestleMania. We know UFC wants to do Brock John Jones, for example, if both can get cleared from their, their drug suspensions and John Jones, by the way, has his Connecticut, I'm sorry, California state athletic commission hearing just this week, as we record, this is interesting, King Moe, and it was doubled down as interesting when Roman Reigns on Monday Night Raw gave a very shoot-like promo. It was a work shoot, let's be honest, but a shoot-like promo, scathing against Brock, calling him a bitch, referencing the Dana White UFC thing, saying nobody in the locker room respects uh, Brock Lesnar because he hides behind his big contract. I thought if Brock is leaving, this was a very strong way for WWE to handle it, but do you think this is where we're heading? I mean, that picture was timed for a reason, Dana shaking hands with Brock, Brock still wants the big money, still wants the spotlight. He's going in that cage, and you know this, King Mo.
1: Nah, he's not. Whoa, whoa! Going in the cage, so here's the thing, right? Say he's going to the cage, so that means come April, he's going to have to... like Probably April or June, he'll enter the testing pool, right?
0: Unless they can cheese us... By the way, unless they can be cheesy and say, well, he already did that in January. We have the paperwork. Here you go, right? You never know, right? You never know. They well, well,
1: let's, well, let's say he did that in January. Well, that means that that means that the suspension is back. He he, he should be – um, his suspension should be running, and he should be unsuspended by January, February, March, April, May. By around June or July, right?
0: Hey, by time for International Fight Week to fight John Jones. I'm yeah. just saying. I'm just saying.
1: No, but the thing is that, you know, um, the reason I don't believe that is because they signed Bobby Lashley for a reason. True. And – what makes sense is Bobby Lashley feuding with Brock Lesnar. That just makes sense to me. And Bobby Lashley you know, I heard they got signed like, you know, this week. Or that, later, that, I mean or, that
0: rumor's out there. I think there'll be more of a middle ground. I think we will see Brock in the octagon in twenty eighteen, but I think it'll be him also re signing with WWE and it'll be another partnered handshake deal because just like we say McGregor has more leverage with UFC than any fighter has ever known. Currently, Lesnar has the kind of leverage with Vince McMahon that really no other superstar has. It seems like Vince just acquiesces to him, like "Let's keep you happy, big guy." Whatever, you know what I mean? Like you're you're a legitimate shoe badass. Whatever you want. I feel like maybe we will get the Lashley feud, but I think we're I think we're going to see both because look, Brock's not going to have. It's not like Brock's going to leave WWE and sign a three year deal with UFC because you know what, King Mo? There's only a couple paydays you can get out of him, right? You can put him yeah. in there against John Jones. You can put him in there against Steepay. Maybe a Kane rematch, whatever. But the point is, you're not gonna get four or five fights out of that unless you're prepared that he's gonna lose. Right? I mean, unless you're gonna put him in there with washed heavies and build them slow. I don't know if you're gonna have that time due to injury, age, drug tests. I think you're gonna cash him out once or twice. And if you're Brock, why not double dip and also have a new WWE deal at the same time?
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see him. I don't know. I don't see him as a fighter. I don't, you know, the thing is when he fought Mark Hunt, that fight was so bad. I think that people were like, you know what? Nah, we could have done without that fight. And I, 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 I don't know. It's good. It's, it's, it's good coming out the matchup. He fights someone like John Jones, or someone smaller. I think people will tune in to that. If He fights someone who can just wrestle. You know, they'll watch it the, the first time. Then the second time, if it's not anyone better, people just won't care to watch it.
0: I think they'll tune in more if there's danger. And like you know, obviously Jones or Stipe or Cormier or any, you know, anyone. There, there's danger in that fight for him yeah, to but,
1: lose. But at the same time, like. You're starting you start to see a trend in pay-per-view buys and starting to die down. They got to do something different. Brock can save them, but Brock didn't save UFC 200. That because w- UFC 200 was, was well, they was still already went over months. a million.
0: They still went over a million with John yeah, Jones but, falling off. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, But don't forget, they had John Jones, they had Daniel, they had Andrew. Anderson Silva. They had wasn't Kane on there? Kane. Kane
0: against Travis Brown. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah, Kane. So I'm like, look, like, look, look, think about this. If this, if that was 2007, they pay-per-view right there with all those names on it. We're done. Two million, one point five million. Yeah, one point
0: five. No doubt. No it, doubt about it. Yeah.
1: Easy back then.
0: But look, we know Dana White and UFC will sell their soul for anything that moves right now, and they know Brock will move. That's why Dana had that giant crap-eating grin on his face on that Instagram post.
1: You know, you looked at that picture, King Mo, and you know you you believed it. I, I never even saw. It. I never saw it. You know, because the thing is that it's honestly anything Dana White says, I believe. I won't believe it until it happens because I, Dana White. I, like, remember, the UFC ain't selling. Remember that? Yep.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. Remember when he said Brock Lesnar's not coming back to the UFC? 100% right. You can't take that man for real. You can't do it.
1: No, so the thing is like just I just you know, more than anything, just wait and see what happens cuz the thing is at the same time Brock can be working Brock could be working like he did last like he did last year or 2 years ago. He could be working uh uh Dana and, and the UFC trying to get a bid war between both That's of them.
0: That's a you. great point. That that can't be overlooked cuz don't forget when he did re-sign with WWE what was that, twenty thirteen ish? There was yeah. reports that Dana called him like a minute before and doubled their offer. Like they were so like, we need you and Brock just used them to get his WWE deal up higher. He's probably gonna do the same thing because guess what? Great place for him to be in his forties is in WWE where he's controlling his own bumps and he's only on TV every three months. Perfect. Just like
1: Kurt just like Kurt Angle. Remember Kurt Angle years ago? I'm gonna wrestle again. Well, I knew he was never come back. I'm like, no man tries to, tries to after the Olympics in their forties. I'm sorry. You know, especially in wrestling. So I'm like, he's just trying to get more money. And I knew that, but that people in wrestling had no idea. They're like when I when I was doing impact, they're like, Yeah, but you know, uh you know, uh Kurt Angle's gonna wrestle again. And I'm like, wrestle where? And like, Oh, for the Olympics. And I'm like, Man, he's too old. Like, no, he's talking to Dixie and I'm like, Man, I think he's just doing that to make more to get more money from the contract because he ain't making an Olympic team in his forties.
0: Hey, shout-out so. to him for winning the gold medal with a broken freaking neck, though. You know? Yeah, yeah, shout he's out. he's the man. He's the man. Uh, uh, final news, Bellator 200 announced King Mo May 25th in England. I love Bellator, but i got to say, for Bellator 200, which is, you know, if this was UFC, it would be a landmark fireworked event. This is a little bit of an underwhelming card for my taste. It's going to be in London, May 25th. Middleweight Championship atop the card. Rafael Carvalho against Gegard Mousasi. You like that fight, right? MVP (laughs) versus Caveman Rickles and the co-main. I'm just saying, shouldn't this have been a pay-per-view? Shouldn't this have been Frank Mir versus Fedor or something where it's like, hey, let's celebrate. We made it to 200. We did it. Maybe that's not Coker
1: style. Well, the thing is, I wouldn't do that. You know why? Because 200 came pretty fast, if you think about it. Like Bellator... You know, I, I also I think the number thing, number system, like it's kind of played out.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: But exactly. Bellator 1011, like, come on, like I really think that they should have different names for these events. Even the UFC, you know, have it, you know, Bellator or UFC presents and have the name of the fighters fighting. Have that be the the event. Don't name it a number because that's just after a while it gets no. Because UFC like you know Bellator 200, I even know what number we're on because there's so many numbers, you know, 200 whatever. Just have have good fights. There should be good fights regardless of the card number.
0: I'm with you. Know? you I'm with you on that. Uh, so, Musasi kind of propped up here to try to win the belt. He needs it. He after his uh Bellator debut was a little rocky.
1: Yeah, you, you know, uh, Shlomenko, I, I hope Shlomenko gets a chance to fight the winner of this of this fight right here because he deserves it. Really, it should be Shlomenko versus uh, um Carvalho, but you know um the judges saw it uh, Musasi's way, which is I'm cool with whatever things happen, but. So Manko should fight the winner of this event.
0: I would not argue with that. King Mo, this weekend, what's busy on the combat sports front, let's start in UFC because that's what this isn't. MMA podcast, we've got UFC 222 from Las Vegas. We will not be seeing, of course, Conor McGregor like we referenced off the top. Max Holloway's injured, and he is out. But that co-main event, still pretty good, right? Frankie Edgar dropped down from the main. He's going to fight unbeaten Brian Ortega. Here's the scenario. The winner looks like they will get a shot at Max Holloway's belt. Now, for Edgar, a little bit of heartbreak, right? He was supposed to fight Holloway in December. He got injured and pulled out. He was supposed to fight him on Saturday. Now, Holloway got injured and pulled out. He's got to take almost a lateral backward step. And this is no easy out against T-City Ortega, who is kind of like a modern-day Damian Maya, right, in terms of his submission specialty. How do you like this matchup? Because this is fire right here.
1: It's fire until it happens. Whoa, whoa! Spoiler yeah. alert. It's fire until it happens. I just think Frankie Edgar's stand up is gonna to be too, 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 too slick and, and too much volume. I, one thing I like about I like, I like T.C. He can fight, but his fight has been on the ground for him to be really effective. When you watch him fight Mocano, Mokano trains the American Top Team. Never knew who this kid was, but he came to the gym, and I was like, this kid is good. Who beat him? They're like, T-City. And I'm like, how? So I go watch it. Now, McConnell's putting hands on him, putting hands on him. For some reason, his corner yells, shoot, and he shoots, and we know what happens when you shoot on T-City. You get tapped.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that choke is nothing nothing serious. Nothing serious at all. So I feel like um, Frankie's going to go out there, leg kick, box, 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 stick and move, and this was, that's going to happen for five rounds. You'll see Frankie box, stick and move for five rounds. He might go for takedowns as – T C gets tired because when you're tired like that, you can go wherever you want. When a guy's tired, you got to worry about takedowns. Unless the guy's a Demian Maia type, you know, T C is that, but he hasn't seen the deep waters just yet.
0: Now that's true. The deep waters part and the experience is true. This does feel like a trap fight though, mentally. And I'm not saying Edgar is suspect to crack mentally, but look, he is 36. He is now two cancellations in a row where he was going for that title fight, trying to join that exclusive group of men to win two titles, you know, separate weight class in the UFC, which is really very exclusive. And now he's got to fight one more King Mo to get back into a spot he already earned. That's got to mentally, even for the toughest fighter to be like, man, you know, I got to do one more. I got to climb this mountain one more time. This has the makings to be a trap fight for me. Maybe that's just the fanboy in me. And I do love me some Ortega, but. Edgar's got to climb that mountain again, and this is a guy who will make you pay for one mistake.
1: Yeah, yeah, he does. But the thing is, like, it's a trap fight. But it'd be a trap fight if Ortega had good Muay Thai, because then he, then Frank, Frankie Edgar would be forced to keep the fight on the inside. And if you're the fight's on the inside, that's when TC can go for the guillotine, can pull, you know, all we can do. whatever he wants, go for a takedown if he wants to, or clinch and do our stuff, but. He don't. He don't got the Muay Thai to keep to to force Frankie to come in. Frankie's gonna stick and move and just box him. He's gonna box him unless T City's doing something I ain't seen. But from what I've seen with his hands, T City's hands aren't there just yet. They're coming along, but Frankie Edgar's hands are, you know, um, light years ahead.
0: And no, no question about that. Uh, and I can't believe at 36 he's still this good. He's still staying in the title picture. Shout out to Frankie Edgar. This is not a good card, King Mo. We've been honest about that when it was when it was booked and repaired. I do like that Kat Zingano is going to be on the main card because she's still a wild card for me. 35 now, coming off of a two-year break, fighting unbeaten Ketlin Vieira. But let's be honest, Zingano has a name. She's still the last person to defeat Amanda Nunez, and she did it pretty violently. She's beaten Pennington and sorry, Noon and, and, and sorry, Misha Tate because there's no division at 45. If Zingano can get a win here and package a couple... She not only could re enter the Bantamweight title picture, which she of course got to the highest point against Rousey but suffered that, you know, kind of puzzling fourteen second loss. Maybe she could be a challenger for Cyborg because she is a big bantamweight. This seems like a big fight for her. Are you a believer in Cat or do you think
1: it's over? Uh, I think Kat I think cat I'm a believer in Cat I'm believing whoever. I'm a believer in whoever. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like I'm not believing her going up to fight Cyborg just yet. They don't
0: have anybody though. There's nobody in hey, that hey, division. Hey,
1: look, 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 look. It's like this. Come on, we're talking about Cyborg here. Look, let Kat get a few more fights. You know what I'm saying? Because say she was up there and she beats this girl in one round. Right? And she looks good. Like, they could be like, hey, fight Cyborg. You know, because they could do that. They could do that. Or they could be like, hey, you know, fight one more fight and fight Amanda Nunez. If I were her, I would take the long route to fight Amanda Nunez before I take the short route to fight Cyborg. Because Cyborg is just too big, too skilled, too vicious to deal with right now. Fight Cyborg after you win the belt 135. And when it's time to cash out, then go up and cash out because Cyborg, you want Cyborg to be your last fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And look, I'm, look, there's just nobody in that division though. So they'll prop up any name they can. So I'm just saying. Look, Zengala got a chance. She was always really good. She had, like, you know, really bad setbacks, lost her husband, had that serious knee injury, had that heartbreaking loss to Rousey. She's never been able to put it together coming off that loss to Juliana Pena. I want to see if she can sort of knock on that door, put together a couple wins. Uh, Mackenzie Dern's going to make her UFC debut in the preliminary card main event. She's 5-0. and She's, of course, got that that strong jujitsu background on the amateur level. you a believer in her that she could be something that can be built up for UFC in the women's division and be an attraction?
1: Well, weight class though first of all
0: I think she is debuting here in women's one, straw weight against Ashley Yoder
1: has she made 125 yet because that's the thing like you look at her you look at her look at her look at all her fights I don't think she's made weight but one or two times if that
0: she uh fought at a catch weight in two of her first three fights did fight at fly weight in her fourth fight and then returned to straw weight in at Invicta when she made her debut in December just a couple months ago she won by third round submission.
1: I, I well, I you know we 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 just never know, you know um we never know. I we'll find out, you know, cause uh she has she has accolades. Let's let's let her get built. Give the right matchups and let's see what goes. They don't
0: do that in UFC though, King Mo. They don't let her get built, right? If you're, if you're and, pretty, though, listen, is, this is the straight honest yeah. truth. Especially in the women's division. If you're a pretty girl and you can put a couple wins together and you got a legit background, you're gonna get fast tracked. You know that. Just like yeah. it is on the men's side, if somebody, you know, out of nowhere looks like there's something in their stage Northcott, you're gonna get fast tracked.
1: And, and you know what? I'm gonna be real with you, man. The UFC should just do away with their belts and just have super fights. Be it a is. super fight league. Cause Cy- cause let's be real, cyborg, there's no one to fight cyborg 145. So they should go out there and find, like, like the great white hype. Find somebody. Find who will
0: be CM Punk, you're gonna see him in the UFC yeah. again in a couple months, the great white hype.
1: No, but I'm just saying, like, just find somebody, just find somebody. Cause the thing is that when it comes down to the, the belt means little in MMA anymore. Yes. The, especially in the UFC. People wanna see action. People wanna see good fights. So why don't you just book fights? The belt means nothing. Like, well, they're trying. Thought,
0: they tried to make, Amanda Nunez-Cyborg, right? And Chris didn't want to. They are trying to do that in a way.
1: Well, no, well, no, no. But here's what I mean. Like, for instance, like, think about this, right? Bellator. Everyone's like, oh, Bellator, do something with the heavy division. Do something with the heavy division. They said that for years. Coker was like, you know what? I'm going to hold off on it until we get more people. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have a tournament for the belt. Well, at 145, there's no one there. So what they should do is just hold off. Let Cyborg fight people here and there. They bring in. And just start bringing in more and more talent. Then have a tournament to see who fights Cyborg. That's all you have to do, but the thing is that they, don't, they I don't, think, I don't really feel like they care about building cyborg, and I don't feel like they care about building really cyborg as much at all. I think they just look at cyborg as, hey, people like watching a fight, she brings some money, so she's throwing her card. You know, we, as far as her weight class, ah, you know. Alright, they don't, don't care. care.
0: They don't care. If you no. go on the UFC's website right now, you go to the rankings page, okay? There is still. It says women's featherweight, but guess what? There's no rankings there. King Mo, we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of this division having a belt, which was created for Cyborg. They still don't have rankings. They have rankings at women's, what was it, uh, Flyweight, which was created just three months ago. There's yeah. rankings on there. There's no rankings. So that shows you they don't know what they're doing. They don't care, and that's why this Saturday we will see in the main event Chris Cyborg against Jana Kunitskaya, who is currently the Invicta FC Bantamweight champion, will be moving up in weight for this fight. Cyborg's first fight when she won the belt was against Tanya Evinger, who was the Invicta Bantamweight champion who moved up in weight, right? Then she fought Holly Holm, who's now lost four of her last five. So, we have no one for her to fight. There's no reason to even break this fight down, right? This is a a lamb being brought to the slaughter. I don't care if, you know, Yana's a pretty girl. She can fight, obviously. She won a title in Invicta, but you can't beat Cyborg at at Featherweight. Come on.
1: Uh, Unless Cyborg comes to the fight with a severe stab infection or torn ACL, um, a broken, like a separated shoulder, and a broken ankle. If Sabro comes with those with those elements are named, then then Kanetsaya has a chance of winning the fight.
0: That's it. We're going to leave it right there. Nothing else more to say. We do want to close by looking at a hell of a boxing heavyweight championship fight this weekend. Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern, Brooklyn. I will be there. I'm fired up. WBC champ Deontay Wilder against fellow unbeaten and the toughest name who doesn't currently hold the belt, in Luis Ortiz, the Cuban star, uh, the shady Cuban star because he's coming off of, of the failed drug test last fall, which canceled this fight originally. Now, anyone who listens to the ITC in this corner boxing podcast, check out my interview with Deontay Wilder this week because he's fired up. He thinks Luis is still a cheat. He thinks Anthony Josh is running from him. He said a lot of wild and crazy fun things. King Mo, this is, some people are saying, the best heavyweight championship fight in America since Lennox Lewis-Klitschko uh, Klitschko Klitschko. in 2003, and you know what, they're right, because the division is resuscitated with live bodies who can punch. This is a tough-ass fight for Deontay because even though he's got, what, six, seven title defenses, he hasn't fought anybody. And yeah. Luis Ortiz is very much somebody. But, King Mo, I know you're close with Luis Ortiz. The question here is, are we going to see Luis Ortiz from the Brian Jennings fight? Or is that guy not real? Or is Luis Ortiz really 45 and we think he's 36? What type of fight are you expecting on Saturday?
1: Well, um between me and you. Well, actually, between me and you. Um Between all of us. It's a big family right between here. All right? Us, yeah, between all of us. I really think that uh, we're going to see a great fight. Um Victor Conte did an interview saying that they tested – um Luis Ortiz, they tested him about seven times. They've seen his blood panel never changed. So stating that he did have a blood – like, you know, he did have a blood pressure problem because I heard them talking about that at the gym years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, not years ago, but last year, like, how he takes blood. They're telling him, stay on your blood pressure meds, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think we're going to see Deontay, who has power, who's very confident, not scared, versus Luis Ortiz, who's not scared, very confident, has more experience and can punch. They, I don't. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards, um, um, leaning towards uh, Ortiz. But I wouldn't be surprised if Deontay wins. You know, it's a toss-up. I've asked people at the boxing gym, and they're like, "Man, Wilder can punch, but Luis Ortiz has better defense and has better skills. And the time Wilder fought a southpaw in Archer Spilka, he didn't look that good."
0: No, well, a, a bunch ready. of these jobber contenders have made Wilder look bad, right? Even with, like, jabs, yeah. they've sort of yeah. made him do a little dance. That's why it's hard to have 100% confidence on a guy who doesn't have great technique, but he's a freak athlete with the biggest yeah. weapon in the division. And King Mo, in this day and age where not every, not every heavyweight is like Ray Mercer and Evander Holyfield and, and Riddick Bowe, like there's not yeah. a lot of killers out there, you can get away with that. It's hard to pick against Wilder, King Mo. and for the last year, I probably would have picked Ortiz by KO. Like every time we talk about this, but Wilder's finally winning me over because he brings these intangibles to the table that are really hard to beat. I know that Stiverne was overweight and not who he should have been in that fight, but go back well, and watch that knockout. Don't,
1: le- no, but, 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 but don't forget, I know one thing. I know is that but, but his best sparring partner for the Deontay Wilder fight was guess who it was? Who? Roy Nelson. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah, I, bro, I watched I watched him train with Roy Nelson because he thought he was going to fight Dominant Brazil. So he trained with Roy Nelson, he's sparring with Roy, and next thing you know, he ends up having to fight Deontay, who is the exact opposite of Roy on yeah. every spectrum. Speed, length, power. But just look at the
0: the version of Deontay in that fight. He told me on, on the podcast this week that he was possessed. Like he, he acted like it if he's that guy against Luis Ortiz and Really puts danger out there. Says, I'm I'm going for it. I'm going for the knockout. I'm not gonna to try to box him with my jab and survive. I'm going in there to knock out Luis Ortiz. King Mo, if he has that mindset, I believe him. I believe he can do it.
1: If he if he listen, if he has that mindset, he's getting stopped. Whoa, whoa, yes, look at this. If he has that mindset, he's getting stopped because with Lewis, you just can't be wild versus Lewis. You have to That's set true. things up. True. Lewis is a sharp shooter. He's very accurate. You know, um you just can't go in there wild versus Saw Paul. You know, you can do it versus a, a shorter, out of shape Orthodox fighter, but versus a more skilled, taller, in shape Southpaw that has an 84 inch reach. Same as Deontay, maybe a little less than Deontay. You don't fight wild like that. Now I think Deontay's gonna fight long. I think he'll use his speed. I think he'll use his um his, uh, youth. But I don't think he's going go out there going going for the um going for the crazy kill un- until he hurts uh until he hurts Lewis because when have you ever seen Deontay go for the kill except that one fight? That, no, that's true. Because when he fought Gerald Washington, when he fought Gerald Washington, he looked bad. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but he he's got to he a few to of those.
0: And, and that's why it's hard, man. And that's why I've been negative toward Wilder this whole run. And just recently, he's won me over because of that scary power. Like, if they match power for power, like I said, I, I'm not sure Wilder isn't the last man standing. But I want to see, like you just sort of teased, which guy feels the power first and then has to adjust. Isn't in there anymore to just match wits, and it's just like, okay, I got to adjust my game plan because I don't know if Wilder can win a twelve round decision unless Ortiz tastes that power early and sort of, you know, goes into a little bit more of a of a closed mode.
1: Well, I, 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 it's gonna come on the game plan because if Lewis can touch the body and get them to fight up close, because if you notice, like, you never really see Lewis get hit with like clean one twos, really. he moves his head, gives a soft paw, and he's always where the right your right hand. But if it gets in close, he's going to do damage. You ask Brian, you know, Brian Jennings, like, oh, yeah. He, you know, the uppercut, and he even landed the uppercut. I've seen him land the uppercut plenty of times. So the body shots, his body work is amazing. This know, is so. going to be
0: a great fight because yeah. um, I think there's a lot more potential for it to be a fight. The word is fight, right? Th- than boxing match. I think even though Ortiz obviously has a Cuban background, obviously he'd be better off boxing to set up his big shots. I think this is going to be a classic fight yeah. between guys throwing bombs because that's what Wilder fights are. He doesn't get the love in the U.S. because people are more focused on team sports and boxing yeah. is where it is in the U.S. But in reality, he's a raw limited fighter who fights. Like we got to give him that respect where, I mean, he's entertainment central. This is going to be a, a potentially going to be a, some hairy situations. They're edgier seat.
1: Yeah. He's entertaining because of his flaws. And the thing is his flaws are clean. He's cleaning them up. So um, pretty soon, like he's going to be entertaining because of his knockouts, which he is already. But really, you're just like, okay, Deontay's killing somebody. Oh, he got rocked. Oh, he got hit. Oh. And then you're like, oh, okay. Well, missed a good fight now all of a sudden. Then next, you know, he throws a big right hand, and you go down.
0: If Deontay stops Luis Ortiz, which would, again, would be a big thing. It wouldn't be a little thing. This would be a, a big moment for him. Would you favor him against Joshua?
1: Man, I just I mean, I don't know, man, because put it put like, like this, Deontay and Joshua, to me, I think Joshua might have the, the, the little tiny edge off of experience, and he's more polished. Mm-hmm. But really, that that fight comes down to who's confident at that time.
0: Because Joshua's then, got oh, stamina and chin issues. We can't we can't avoid that.
1: You no, know, no, but no, no. no they, but the thing is that here's the thing, though. Remember, in heavyweight, they all got chin issues. Think about it. Spilka rocked. Spilka rocked, kind of stunned, kind of stunned Deontay. Eric Molina stunned Deontay with a left hook. Johan John Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so I can name a bunch of fighters that like did that. But the thing is, like, it's just. I don't know, we're gonna come it's gonna I don't know, man. I don't know.
0: Hey, fun time. Fun time to be a boxing (laughs) heavyweight fan, right? It's it's bad. Again, these guys aren't legends. I don't think these guys are the seventies nineteen seventies and nineteen nineties group that we had, but so much better than the Klitschko era. We have big guys who want to fight. And it doesn't look like promotions are getting the way except for Wilder Joshua, right? Cause Eddie Hearn, jo- Anthony Joshua's promoter is already talking about bringing Joshua to the, to the, to the states later this year and is not mentioning Deontay Wilder. So if we can yeah. get to that fight, it's probably going to have to be next year, but I feel like we're going to get there.
1: It's going to be, it's going to be next year because the thing is that what they're going to do is they're going to, which is smart. It's going to be like, remember the Infinity Gauntlet? No. You know, the, like, okay, you know, Marvel Comics, the yes. Infinity Gauntlet. Well, were they all trying to chase the stones? To oh, yes, them? yes. Okay. Well, this is what they're doing. They're all, they're chasing the belts. The chasing, because whoever has the most belts is gonna be the A side for the fight. Good point. Good point. So you know that fight's gonna be a huge fight, wherever it's in America or if it's in England. Or they can do like one off. You know what I'm saying? They have a trillion somewhere else in Macau. They can have one fight in England, <laughs> one fight in um, the United States, and the third in Macau. They can do something big like that. But I, I, I don't know. Just that's big money right there, man. Huge money.
0: All right, I'm gonna predict Deontay Wilder. By mid round knockout. And again, I can't believe I'm predicting this because his flaws just irritate me, but the guy's got the boom. Your prediction for Wilder Ortiz as we exit here?
1: Man, i I you know, I'm, I think, I think Lewis to pull it off. I think Lewis, uh, Lewis by decision. I think he'll go all 12.
0: Very, very – he'd be an interesting player. Who knows if we would see a rematch of this or if or Fortis can can wiggle his way into a Joshua fight faster than Deontay could. It'd be very interesting to find out. King Mo, we brought the heat this week again. You'll be back in the gym living that lifestyle, preparing for Ryan Bader. We got any messages for Bader here as we exit here? Be Beware. Be careful.
1: Yeah. Take your chin. Hands up because we out.
0: Oh, Yeah.